Good morning, Bay Area Church. It's Sunday again. We're starting off a new week, and we are going to start off uh, our worship before our worship this morning with some uh, announcements, some things to make sure that you're aware of so that we can all be together as a family and, and be keeping some of these things in prayer and celebrating some of these things together. Um, with that celebration, there's good news. David Harkins is now off the ventilator. Things are starting to look up for him. His family is very grateful for our support and our prayers. Uh, when he's able to travel, they're, they're looking to take him back up to Tennessee to be closer with his family. So it's an answer to prayer, but we still want to keep David in our prayers and, uh, and get him back to a point where he can go be with his family there. Um, our sister Jan Sweeney uh, is back. Her back procedure went well, and she's at home recovering. I'm sure she's probably watching this morning, so good morning, Jan. Um, we're glad you're feeling better. We hope you'll, uh, and we'll pray that you'll continue to, to heal very well. Um, we need to still be praying for Rodalyn's dad, uh, who's now in rehab after having a stroke. His left side is still very weak. Her mom is still undergoing treatments for pancreatic cancer, so let's continue to keep that family in our prayers. And there are several people in our church and in our body uh, that have experienced a loss this week. Uh, Roxanne Gilborn's niece, Courtney, lost her fight with COVID-19 this week, as well as uh, Linda Miltner's brother-in-law, Sam. So we want to keep those families in, uh, in our prayers, certainly, and uh, continue to be prayerful for all of those who are struggling with, uh, with the virus and the various uh, things coming along that uh, we don't get to talk about and see as, as frequently. We've got a pretty sizable list this morning of, of areas where the body needs help. The youth group is going to be hosting a congregational school supply drive and fellowship event beginning now until August 15th. So a pretty small window on this. Um, all the supplies donated will be given to benefit children at Shaw Elementary, uh, where our Faith Lane Deacon, Rennell Matherin, is a principal, and as well as Mango Elementary, where Charlene Bridgewater is teaching. So we're going to be collecting supplies for that. Some specific things that we're trying to collect. Um, all donations are great, but these are specific things we're trying to collect are going to be hand sanitizer, obviously, um, Kleenex, sanitizing wipes, if you can find those, spiral-bound one-subject notebooks that are wide-ruled, um, 24 packs of Crayola brand crowns, small safety scissors, and uh, some glue sticks, and Ticonderoga brand pencils, um, and also kids' backpacks. And in a further note on that, if you're able to get out and buy those today, today is the last day for the statewide uh, school sales tax holiday. So your donation money can go a little bit longer if you get out today to help buy some of those. Um, but I'm sure if you have any questions on that, you could reach out to, uh, to Angie or Aloha and they'll be able to get you that, that list as well. On Saturday, August 15th, from 4 to 6 p.m. after we've collected all of these things, there's going to be, uh, for the entire congregation, a school drop-off church fellowship in the parking lot. Uh, it'll be socially distanced, but um, all the supplies will be dropped off then, followed by games, fellowship, a prayer walk, and ice cream. So you'll want to bring out a lawn chair. Uh, if you're unable to personally shop, donations can be made via our online giving. So if you go to the website and do the online giving, you, you'll see a drop-down tab for uh, specifically for the school supply drive. Look for that drop-down box that says School 2020. Uh, it, otherwise, you can bring those supplies on the, uh, on the 15th and have a good evening, a good afternoon, uh, spending some time together, socially distanced. Please remember to practice safe measures like wearing a mask, keeping a safe distance from others. It's important that we're responsible when we're able to get together like that. Uh, some reminders for us this morning. 
The college group has a Zoom Bible study each week on Wednesday nights at 730. Uh, check the church email and website for the ID and password on that. The youth group will be having Bible class this afternoon at 12 p.m. just after worship. So everybody in the youth group, as soon as worship's done here, grab some lunch and then get ready to jump on Zoom with Robbie. And then uh, Faith Lane will be having their second week now of the Zoom pajama party on Thursday evening. That's Thursday at 7, and this week's theme is going to be glow. Um, so uh, glowing in the dark. So if you'll look in your boxes for August that you got from uh, Miss Angie or that you'll be getting from Miss Angie, you'll see an envelope in there with some glow sticks. It'll be a lot of fun. So save those for Thursday night for the pajama Zoom party. Um, also, if you weren't able to join us last night for the drive-in, uh, we had a great time out here in the parking lot, uh, socially distanced, watching uh, Disney Pixar's Inside Out. Uh, it was a great time. We had almost 20 cars out here um, for our initial Bay Area drive-in experience, and I'm sure that's something we'll probably be looking to do in the future as well. So uh, thanks to Robbie and uh, for putting that together, and a uh, great time was had by all. Uh, our last note this morning is a, a note for the elders that I'm going to read for us this morning. Um, a note from our elders. The elders are closely monitoring and evaluating the effects of the coronavirus in this area, paying close attention to the results of school and church openings. Lord willing, we look forward to making an announcement in September on reopening. We so look forward to the time when we can all meet together safely again. Please keep us in your prayers. That's signed by our elders, Daryl Brown, George Klein, Jimmy DeBose, Tom Manley, Bert Thomas, and Randy Stitzman. So we're all hoping that that time comes soon, and uh, we're all looking forward to the day we can all be here together. Um, on that note, we're going to go ahead and start transitioning into our worship mindset. Uh, we're going to have a short prayer, and then that's going to be followed by about a five-minute video giving you an update on what's happening with our mission teams across the uh, across the globe that uh, Matt's going to queue up in a moment. But before we do that, let's go ahead and prepare our minds. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Tim in a little bit. We're going to be uh, sharing communion together. We're going to have some singing, uh, some, some really some moments together as a family where we can lift up our Father in, in adoration and praise. So as we prepare to do that, let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being a, a, a God that is so loving beyond our understanding. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are calling us your children and allowing us to call you our Father. We thank you for the grace that you bestow on us when we don't deserve it. And Lord, we thank you for being a God who presides over all the chaos in our life. Father, we want to focus on you this morning. We pray that what happens this morning in our worship is pleasing to you. We pray that you will be exalted and lifted up. We pray that you will open our hearts and minds to what it is that you want us to learn this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together as a body, even though we can't physically be in the same place, to be able to know that we can bow our heads and be before your throne together as a body. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We pray that you will be with members of this body that are hurting. We pray that you will be with people across the globe that are hurting. We pray that you will help the members of your church to be beacons and lights in this world to draw people closer to you, to share your love. And we pray that you will help us to be servants and to be just people who are lifting you up and sharing you with others, pointing people to the love of, of your son that was put on display when he gave his life for us so that we can call you Father. And it is in that son's name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now we'll have a video.
couple of thoughts. One was, I went to Publix yesterday and uh, was a little annoyed that I went down a couple of aisles and instead of, you know, there being 16 flavors of soup, there were maybe only 12. Um, we have a lot of blessings. We have a lot to be thankful for in this time. And the other thought was just uh, what a blessing it is to be able to share uh, with these folks a little bit. It makes us want to share more, and we wish all of them well. I know some of them are watching today. And uh, we pray for you. We love you. I uh, wish we could share more. Uh, it's great to be back with you. I uh, appreciate uh, Travis and uh, Keith stepping in when Tyrone and Orlando and myself were all out last week. Uh, it was interesting being on the other side of the screen and watching. And one of the things that sort of stuck out there was you can help us when we sing by singing. You may think it doesn't do anything, but what it does is it covers our mistakes. Okay? Not that they were making mistakes. But if you're singing and participating with us, it takes the pressure off of us. And um, so worship with us. We've got some songs that I think uh, will help get us ready for Tim to speak to us and, and help our hearts as we sing and we praise God. He gave me a song. He took my burdens all away up to a brighter day. He gave me a song, a wonderful song, a wonderful song, a wonderful song I now can sing. In my heart joy bells ring. He gave me a song, he gave me a song, a wonderful song. He gave me a song to sing about. He lifted me, he lifted me from sin and doubt. Oh, praise his Every day, walking a heavenly way, he gave me a song. He gave me a song, a wonderful song, a wonderful song, a wonderful song. I now can sing praise to him, my king. He gave me a song. He gave me a song, a wonderful song, a wonderful song. He gave me a song to sing about. To sing about. He lifted me. He lifted me from sin. Song. A wonderful song, and some of these days in that fair land, sing with a chorus grand. He gave me a song. He gave me a song. A wonderful song. A wonderful song. He gave me a song to sing about. He lifted me. He lifted me from sin and doubt. From sin and doubt, oh praise His name. He is my King. Shall assemble on the mountain. 
shall assemble at the throne with humble hearts into his presence. We bring an offering of song. Glory and honor and domain. Some morning yonder we 
still sits to ponder or things this life has brought to view. All will be clearer, loved ones be dearer, in heaven where all will be made new. No tears in heaven there, no tears, no tears up there, sorrow and pain will all have flowed. No tears in heaven there, no tears, no tears up there, no tears in heaven will be We're going to share in communion after this next song, and um, so if you need to get your supplies ready, uh, but let's sing every, every time. Every time I kneel to pray, I open up my heart to my Lord. Every time I kneel to pray, I open up my heart to my Lord. Every time I close my eyes, I feel the sweet embrace of my Lord. Every time I close sweet embrace of my Lord. And I don't know why so many things seem to get in the way of seeing my God's glory. child, I see the gentleness of my Lord. Every time I see a child, I see the gentleness of my Lord. Every time I watch a storm, I know the awesome power of my Lord. Every time I watch a storm, I know the
Good morning, Bay Area. As we gather before the Lord's table this morning, we want to reflect upon scriptures that teach us about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He came to this earth to save mankind from our sin condition to save us so that we can have the hope of eternal life with him in heaven. While he was here on earth, he preached, he taught, he set an example for us that we may follow. He was betrayed. He was tried in court, beaten, crucified. He died on the cross to fulfill the purpose his Father God sent him here to do. He died. He was raised from the dead. He walked among his, his disciples before ascending back into heaven. But that wasn't the end of the story. He sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to continue to guide, teach, strengthen, and encourage us. His apostles' teachings and his disciples' teachings, especially in Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 7, is encouragement from John to the churches. John states unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things say, he who is holy, he is true. He who has the key of David, he opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have little strength have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who said they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who is an heir, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Let us pray. 
Our God in heaven, we are so thankful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to solve our sin problems, to bring us back to you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made on our behalf. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you, in your words, encourage us to let us know that you see our works. You see the things that we do, and you see our efforts to follow and obey you. And you encourage us to persevere no matter what the situation, no matter what the condition. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for continuing to continue to, to encourage, to continue and to strengthen us. And as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us, we are so thankful and grateful. These things and all we pray in your Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. State in Revelation chapter 3 tells us, I know your works. I have set before you, basically set before us an open door, an opportunity to continue to do good works despite the situation we're in right now with COVID-19, not being able to, to meet as a family but we have the opportunity to continue to do his work through electronic means. And we continue to take advantage of that. God has opened that door for us. Again, he tells us he's the only one that can shut that door. He encourages us to continue to give, continue to do good, continue to meet as often as we can on the Zoom or however means we are and to continue to take advantages of the opportunities that come our way. So as we prepare to give, let us consider uh, these words as written as encouragement to us from his disciples. have just a few more songs before Tim comes and speaks to us. Uh, as usual, we've got, uh, we've got a song here in a minute for the kids. 
but hopefully you're all singing along together. I don't know what kind of posture you have. If you're like me, um, I'm on the couch. Uh, I've got one of those couches with the, you know, the built-in footstool, and my feet are up. I'm not wearing any shoes. Um, I'm sort of laid back watching. Kind of hard to sing this song that way. We're going to sing about praise to our God and all the great things that he has done and that he is. Um, it's okay to stand up at home if you want to. Uh, kind of hard to lay back and sing this song. Let's sing it now with all our hearts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore him. Praise him, angels in the height. Sons and moon rejoice before him. Praise him, holy stars of light. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. Never shall be broken, for the Lord in her garden she hath made. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, for he is glorious, never shall his promise fail. kids up front as we praised God in this last song we continue to praise him with uh, he's he's king of everything and he's the king of me who's the king of the jungle who's the king of the sea bubble 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 who's the king of the universe and who's the king of me his name is J-E-S-U-S Jesus! He's the king of me. Who's the king of the desert? Hot, hot! Who's the king of the stars? Twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. Who's the king of the Milky Way? And who's the king of Mars? Beep, beep. His name is J-E-S-U-S. Jesus! He's the king of me. Who's the king of the forest? Roar! 
Who's the king of the trees? Who's the king of everything? And who's the king of me? His name is J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. He's the king of me. All right, we'll get you woke up here in a minute. We sang earlier about uh, looking forward to being together before the throne and, and singing the song of victory. This is a song that I'm looking forward to us just getting together here and being able to sing together. Uh, we sang it in the cantata, and I think we sang it one time in our, our virtual worship here, but we have not been able to sing it together as a body. Uh, there's lots of different versions of this song out there, but a beautiful song. Uh, what a beautiful name. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is! What a beautiful name! The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold Death you. Could the veils are before you. You silence the boast of sin. Nothing can stand against What a power 
Jim's going to come after this next song as we sing Father God. By the way, if you're following the notes, um, just sing what you know. That's what we're going to do. Father God, just for today, help me walk your narrow way. Help me stand when I could fall. Give me your strength to hear your call. Hey, good morning, and welcome. We are glad that you are here with us this morning. I want to uh, welcome all of our campuses from Dover and Sun City Center and South Tampa and Riverview and uh, all the churches that are meeting all over the state here with us this morning. Glad that, uh, glad that even though we're still apart, that this hour, we're together. Good to be together with you this morning. We have, as you saw on the slide as I was walking up here, we've been in this series that I'm calling Aha Moments. And we've been talking about moments in our lives, and everybody has them, but moments in our lives when we are confronted with a truth. Maybe it's a brand new truth that we've never realized, never thought about before. 
Maybe it's a truth that we've understood, but for some reason we've set it aside, or we have chosen to completely ignore it, but we're reminded of it, and we are forced to then come to a decision about what we're going to do with that truth. And we have been using as an anchor text for this series a statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 8. It's a statement that even people that don't know very much about the Bible will recognize, at least half of it. It's a statement that people that know quite a bit about the Bible can quote, at least half of it. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, and again, you might have a translation that says, If you abide in my word, if you hold to my teaching, if you abide in my word, you really are my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, again, that, that's really quite a statement that Jesus is making. If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so for the past couple weeks, we have been listening in on some conversations that Jesus has had with some men and some women as truth has been uh, revealed to them, as Jesus kind of shines this light of truth into the situation, into their lives, and then they're forced to make a decision on what to do with that. And we've seen that there are sometimes people respond in faith and in obedience, and other times people respond sort of retreating from that light and heading back into their own version of truth, not the truth that sets them free, but at least it's predictable and it's comfortable. And of course, what we've really been trying to ask ourselves is, what do we do? Oh, what are we going to do when we are confronted with the truth about Jesus and the truth about God, the Holy Spirit, and God's Word? And this morning's aha moment is going to take place in the context of a miracle that Jesus is going to perform. But it's actually going to be centered around a word. And interestingly enough, the word itself doesn't even show up in the narrative. But what happens in this narrative certainly implies uh, and describes the situation. And the word is help. You know, for a lot of people, that's a hard word to say. For some people, it's really hard to say, help, I need help. And there are reasons why it's hard for some people to ask for help. Maybe we don't want to give up control of a situation. Maybe we don't want to appear weak. Maybe we don't want to find ourselves indebted to someone else. Lots of reasons why people don't ask for help. I saw some research that actually proved that there is one gender that is really hesitant to call and ask for help. One gender is more hesitant than the other gender to ask for help. Anybody want to guess which gender is least likely to ask for help? Yeah, it's men. Who would have thought, right? In fact, I also saw that the average man will drive 276 extra miles a year just because he's lost. Even in the age of the GPS, 
You know, men don't stop and ask for directions. We don't stop and ask for help. And you might think that 276 miles, you might think, well, that's pretty high. Just so you know, I bump up the average. I drive a lot of times and I'm lost. I just don't care. I, I just know I'll get home eventually. But for a lot of people, it's hard to ask for help. And if we were meeting together this morning, if we were all here, I would ask you, just to prove a point, I would ask you, and you know I'd do this, I would ask you to turn to the person beside you and just admit, I need help. And I thought, hmm, maybe I'll go ahead and do that even virtually. Maybe I'll just ask you, I know a lot of you are watching this alone, but, but also a lot of you are watching it with your families. I thought, maybe I'll ask you to turn to a family member and, and just admit, I need help. But then I thought, no, that would probably be a little bit awkward. And that might be, you might not be ready to be quite that vulnerable. So instead, what I'm going to ask you to do right now, if you're watching this with someone else, I want you to turn to another person, I want you to look them right in the eye, and I want you to say, you need help. <laughs> Go ahead, just do that. Just look at someone and say, you need help. See there? It's easy, right? Because we all understand and we all agree that we all, we need help. You know, in all seriousness, though, there are times when if we don't ask for help, those things that start off as kind of a small, insignificant thing can, can turn into a crisis. What started out as just going over a little over budget turns out to a life of debt and shame. And what started out as just some unresolved conflict can end up being a devastating divorce. What started out as a problem behavior that I just never asked for help might turn out into a, it turned to be a, an addiction. A problem with flirtation or temptation ends up being an affair. A problem with procrastination results in unemployment. The truth is, it takes more courage, I think, to ask for help than it does to try to hide and pretend and deny and act like I don't need help. And then when we're talking about a, a spiritual level, our willingness to ask for help says a lot about our spiritual condition. Our willingness to ask for help spiritually uh, says a lot about our spiritual identity. You know, all through Scripture, God is referred to as my help, my helper. God wants to be our helper. He wants to help us. And here's the reason why this, I think, is so important. We were created. God made us in a way that we are to live in continual dependence on Him in the context of submission and sacrifice. I mean, we're just wired that way. We are created that we need to be continually dependent on God. And for a lot of people, that sounds like, wow, that's, you know, that's a real weakness. But for Christians, come on, that's life. That's strength. So, let's get to the aha moment uh, today. I told you it revolves around a miracle that Jesus performs it's going to be a miracle that you are going to recognize. It's found in the second chapter of John. You can go ahead and be turning in your Bibles to John chapter 2. I'm going to put the uh, passage up on the screen here. 
I'm going to just read through it first, and then we'll go back and we'll dig a little bit deeper. But it's a miracle that Jesus performs while he's at a wedding. John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. You know, every single wedding that I have ever been in attendance at, and I have been to a lot of weddings, every single wedding I've ever attended, something has gone wrong. In fact, I tell, you know, couples that, that I'm marrying, I just tell them, listen, just, just know, something's going to go wrong, okay? The music is not going to start at the right time, or someone's going to stand in the wrong place, or someone's going to say the wrong thing, the flowers aren't going to be right, the ring bearer's going to do something crazy. Just know, something's going to go wrong, but listen, don't worry. I promise you, at the end of the day, you're going to be married. Okay, I'm going to get to the part, I now pronounce you husband and wife, you're going to be married, don't stress over something that goes wrong. You're probably going to be the only one who notices it anyway. Well, here in John chapter 2, Jesus is at a wedding and something goes wrong. And in John chapter 2, at this particular wedding, it actually is a pretty big deal. They are living in a culture where hospitality is not just expected, it is demanded. And to run out of wine uh, during this wedding banquet, it would have meant shame, and it would have been very embarrassing for the family, disgraceful even. It, this would have ruined the wedding day. They ran out of wine. By the way, and this has nothing to do with the story, but just let me ask, what are you running out of today? We're living in historically strange times. We have been distanced, we have been isolated, we have been quarantined. What was normal is not normal, and who knows what normal is now going to look like. What are you running out of today? Patience? <laughs> Courage? Strength? Faith? What's running low? And who are you talking to about it? Who are you asking for help? 
Well, Jesus' mother, Mary, is at this wedding. And she talks to Jesus about it. Text doesn't tell us exactly why Mary approaches Jesus with this problem. Maybe she just had a really strong connection to the couple. I don't know, and she didn't want to see the, the thing come off the tracks. Maybe she had some part to play in it. Maybe she was like the wedding planner. I don't know. Maybe she thought maybe that Jesus and all his disciples, you know, too big a crowd. You brought all your friends with you, and you put a drain on the wine. I, I don't know why Mary approached Jesus. But she approaches him, and she says just, uh, just a simple statement they have no wine. Now, I've heard all kinds of explanations about the appropriateness of Mary approaching Jesus with this problem, asking Jesus at this time for help. And I don't really know about those kind of things, but I do know this. Had she not approached Jesus, had she not asked for Jesus' help, this whole story that we're looking at wouldn't have happened. This whole thing hinges on the fact that Mary asks Jesus for help. You know, Jesus isn't in Cana to perform a, a miracle. He didn't go there with the thought of, I'm, I'm, I'm going to perform a miracle. He wasn't planning on that. He wasn't even officiating the wedding. He was just there as a guest. But when Mary said what she said, when Mary asked what she asked, because really she infers a question here, Everything changes. We know Jesus wasn't planning on getting involved because of his response to his mother. She says, they have no wine. He doesn't respond by saying, I know, Mom, I'm on it. Don't worry. I'm going to take care of it. Relax. He doesn't tell her that. In fact, his response to his mother is, Woman, what has this to do with me? My hour has not yet come which at first reading sounds a little cold, doesn't it? He doesn't even call her mom. He doesn't even say mother. He says, woman, what is this to do with me? Now she comes to Jesus and she's asking for help, and Jesus responds with a question. What's this have to do with me? My time has not yet come. You know, sometimes we go to God and we ask for help. We pray a prayer of help. And we don't get the response that we're expecting. Because I think Mary was hoping that Jesus would say, I'll take care of it. I'm going to do something right now. But that's not what he says. And sometimes we go to God and we ask for help. And we have an answer in mind that we're really wanting to hear. And then we don't hear that answer. And we don't understand why. Why doesn't God answer our help prayer? And to be quite honest, I don't know. I don't know. But here's what I believe. I believe the story isn't over yet. I believe God's story isn't over yet. I know that this story in John chapter 2 wasn't over yet. I also know that despair is never the answer. And I am convinced that God desperately wants to be our refuge. God desperately wants to be our help, especially in times of trouble. 
But it's almost as if Mary doesn't even hear Jesus' response. It's almost as if she doesn't care what hour it is. Hey, they don't have any wine. Why are you uh, uh, bothering me with this? What do I have to do with this? this is, my hour has not yet come. So Jesus asks Mary a question, and then Mary ignores Jesus' question. Seems like everybody's ignoring each other in this story. Because Mary doesn't talk to Jesus again. Instead, she turns her attention to the servants. And what she says to the servants is really quite a statement. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Jesus has just told his mom, What is this to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And they don't have any more conversation. Mary doesn't say anything else to Jesus. Instead, she talks to the, to, the, the, um, to the servants. Why doesn't she go back and talk to Jesus? Why doesn't she go back and try to explain it to Jesus? Jesus, listen, I know you've never been married, so you won't really understand this, but this is a big deal. We need... She doesn't do that. She doesn't go back and beg Jesus. Please, 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 please do something. She doesn't do that. She doesn't try to manipulate the situation. You know, if you loved your mother, she doesn't do any of those things. Instead, she turns her attention to the servants. And when she does, she introduces a uh, aha moment. She makes this incredible statement, do whatever he tells you. And I'm convinced this is the aha moment in this story. I think this is the pivotal point of the narrative. This is the the crucial piece of information here, the aha revelation, do whatever he tells you. You want to see water turn to wine? Do whatever he tells you. You want to see what's up there? Come down here, do whatever he tells you. You want to see God get involved in your ordinary life? You want to see God get involved in your ordinary problems? Do whatever he tells you pretty good advice. Do whatever he tells you. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Help the poor. Lay up treasures in heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. Do unto others as you would have others do to you. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. Do what he tells you to do. You know what kind of Christian I want to be? And I'm not there yet, but I want to be the do whatever he tells me to do kind of Christian. You know what kind of church I want to be a part of? And we're not there yet. <laughs> but I want to be a part of a do whatever he tells us to do kind of church. Mary makes this incredible statement. Just do whatever he tells you. And then look how the servants respond. Because this is so great. Uh, Jesus doesn't say anything else to his mother. Uh, instead, he turns to the servants. And Jesus gives the servants instructions. Verse 7. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. He says there's, there's, some, there's some jars there that were used for ceremonial washing. He says, I want you to fill those jars with water. And then what they do is so great. I don't want you to miss this. So, they filled them to the brim. They filled them to the brim. 
They didn't have to fill them to the brim. If my math is right, this is somewhere around 150 gallons of water that these, these uh, jugs are holding. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of weight. If I'm a servant and I know I've got to not just fill these water jugs, but then I'm going to have to do something with them, I might be a little bit tempted not to top it off. <laughs> not to fill it to the brim. These servants, they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't know who Jesus was. They certainly didn't know what Jesus was about to do. And yet, they filled it to the brim. Had they not responded that way, if they just filled it two-thirds full, if they just filled those jugs pretty full, think about it, they'd have missed out on 50 gallons of miracle. So these servants, they fill the jugs to the brim. Of course, now let's not bury the lead. Jesus knows something they don't know. Jesus is about to go into the winemaking business. You've heard the old saying, bring God a thimble, he might fill the thimble. Bring God a bucket, he might fill the bucket. When you look for God to help, for help, when we're asking God for help, the process doesn't begin with us telling God what we're demanding. The process doesn't begin by us bringing our list to God and say, do this, do this, and when you're done, do everything else. The process begins by us humbly going to God and saying, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I'm not just going to phone it in either. I'm going to fill it to the brim. Encourage someone fully. Fill an hour of work with an hour of work with joy in your heart. Serve someone with delight instead of a sense of duty. And, uh, give a gift that, that involves some kind of sacrifice. Not expecting to get something back. Tell the truth when you're sort of tempted to lie. Ask God, would you help me? Would you help me? This story is so interesting to me. Because I think in a lot of ways, this is life in the kingdom. This is how the kingdom works. When people have a, a fill-to-the-brim kind of spirit, a fill-to-the-brim obedience, they get to share in the miracle. They get to be a part of the story. They're the ones who get to see the water turn to wine. Think about this story in Acts chapter, or John chapter 2. The wedding gets saved... But the big shots didn't know how. The master of the banquet, he didn't know how. It doesn't seem like the, the bride and the groom understood what happened. But the servants, the servants who just did what he told them to do, the servants who filled it to the brim, they knew. In the kingdom, it's the servants who know. It's the servants who start to get it. It's the servants who very humbly do what he tells us to do and then do it with all our heart. They're the ones who get to kind of share in the wonder. Could you imagine these servants going home and their wife asking them, uh, so did anything interesting happen at the wedding today? Well, as a matter of fact, could you imagine these same servants like years later when they're old, old men 
talking to their grandchildren about the greatest wedding ever. So I was there. I saw it. I, granddad, I helped Jesus. Wow. What'd you do, granddad? Well, I did what he told me to do. He told me to put water in some jugs. That's what I did. And you know what? I filled it to the brim. And it was awesome. Then what happened? Then Jesus went to work. Then Jesus turned the water to wine. Let me confess something to you this morning. For a long time, I used to view this miracle, the very first miracle that we read about Jesus performing, I used to view this miracle as sort of a second-rate miracle, kind of a starter miracle for Jesus. This is kind of like a minor miracle it was to me, which I know is crazy and ridiculous, but I always kind of viewed it that way. Okay, he provided wine for a wedding. That's great. But, you know, walking on water and giving sight to the blind, healing uh, the lame and feeding 5,000, raising the dead. Now, those are, some, those are some miracles with weight. I don't know. Turning water to wine for a wedding, it seemed a little bit frivolous to me. But not anymore. This is not a second-rate miracle. This is not a minor miracle. There is no such thing, and this certainly isn't one. And here's why. This story tells us something about Jesus. And this story tells us something about the kingdom. You know, Mary approaches Jesus, and, and her desire was just to avert disaster. They've run out of wine. What can we do about this situation? They've run out of wine. She just wants to divert, uh, avert disaster. Jesus wants to do a lot more than that. And he does a lot more than that. He doesn't just make wine. He makes extraordinary wine. And why are you saving the best wine to last? I'm convinced it was the best wine anybody would ever eat. Drink, 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 yeah. It was the best. They'd never had wine like that before. They'll never have wine like that again. And it wasn't just the quality of the wine. It was the quantity. 150 gallons. That's a lot of wine. John says in John chapter 2, this, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. This is his glory. Now, you're hoping to avert disaster. He wants you to be part of the kingdom. You're just a low-level servant. You don't have any connections. You don't have any money. You don't have any leverage. But now, you've got a place in the story. Now you're a part of the narrative. You have a seat at the table. If you just do whatever he tells you. It's another place in the book of John where Jesus makes a statement that a lot of people will recognize. A couple chapters later. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this. I have come that they might have life and have it. And look what he says. This is great. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. 
sloshing over. Not just the good life. I came that they might have the great life, the best life. I, I am here so that the life that I am offering you is just overflowing with joy and happiness and, and, and contentment and patience. Not bigger houses and more money. That's not the kind of life Jesus is talking about. But he said, I'm talking about the real life that we all dream about. The life that means something. The life that has purpose. I'm here to give that to you filled to the brim. Like, just flowing like wine. The philosopher Kierkegaard had an observation that's a little bit haunting to me. He said this, Christ once turned water to wine, but the church has succeeded in doing something even more difficult. They've turned wine to water. And I think what he means is that without God, life is so much less. That without God, grace just turns into rules. And without God, goodness turns into pride and faith becomes excluding people. And without God, we buy into Satan's lie that we don't need anybody. And we don't need anybody's help. And we can handle things on our own. And so we try to do it on our own. You know, I was thinking about just how deeply this idea of help goes. And you think about it, one of the first words that a small child learns is help, right? Because children need help doing everything. And they learn to ask for help. Mommy, help me. Help me get dressed. Help me eat my food. Help me go to the potty. Children just learn to ask for help. And if those parents live long enough, one day they're going to be asking their children for help. Help me get dressed. Help me with my food. Help me go to the bathroom. We are born needing help. If you live long enough, you will die needing help. And if you think that in between somehow you can live your life and not need help from anyone, anywhere, you're fooling yourself. Because it's just a little bit of age away. It's just a health issue away. It's just a text from your boss or a, a call from your spouse. And you're going to realize we all need help. So where do you turn? Who do you talk to? Mary, Jesus' mother, turned to Jesus. There's a problem. We need help. And she had the wisdom, and she had the faith to then turn to the servants and say, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And those servants had the faith to fill it to the brim. So this morning, as we, as we kind of wrap up thinking about help, where could we go but to the Lord? 
And whatever he tells you to do, do it. And fill it to the brim. Let's pray. Father, so often the life that you're offering, the life that you want us to experience, the life that Jesus came so that we might enjoy, so often we're not living that life. We're not experiencing the joy and the peace and, and the fullness. And the reason is because we haven't done what you told us to do. We've somehow convinced ourselves that we can figure it out and that we don't need to ask for help. Father, may we hold to your teaching. May we abide in your word. May we know the truth that will set us free. So grant us the faith to do what you tell us to do. And grant us the courage to fill it to the brim. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Our praise team has one last song that they're going to lead us in, and then we'll be dismissed. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks, Tim. Uh, I think this is maybe the oldest song that we've sung this morning. It's an old gospel tune, but I... I I can't think of a more contemporary message uh, and one that goes along with what Tim just talked to us about. Got to sing this song with gusto. I told the group when we were warming up to channel their inner Orlando Jr. Okay. Sing it the way you think he would sing it. Living below in this old sinful world Hardly a comfort can afford Striving alone to face temptation so Now tell me where could I go but to the Lord Where could I go, where could I go Seeking a refuge for my soul Needing a friend to save me in the end Where could I go but to the Lord? Neighbors are kind, I love them everyone We get along in sweet accord but when my soul needs manna from above, where could I go but to the Lord? Where could I go, where could I go, seeking a refuge for my soul? Needing a friend to save me in the end, where could I go but to the Lord. Life here is grand with friends I love so dear. Comfort I get from God's own word. Yet when I face the chilling hands of death, where could I go but to the Lord? Where could I go? Soul, needing a friend to 
Have a great week.